Bandwidth for first updates now is supported by the Blue Alliance. Keep up to date on all live and archived first robotics events and team stats at thebluealliance.com. But you know what? If you send me an email, you'll get a response and it will be from me. And I really don't have any desire to. You um, haven't watched the trailer at all? No, no. A lot of people haven't heard of the couch division. So it's um, a comfy division to be in, though. It's super comfy. Um, it's almost too comfy at times. Your response to, to teams who see that as a, a new potential issue with districts? Yeah, that's really a two-pronged question. Let's see if there's any damage from that fall. There was. They snapped. 330. Still on their back. Six seconds to go. Well, it was the highest ranked. But then as votes, as votes continue to yeah. pour in, everything kind of changes around the little yeah, bit. So we forget the First Updates Now is brought to you by Twitch. Fun is now a Twitch partner and offering some awesome subscriber-only benefits. Subscribe today or get a free subscription each month when you have Amazon Prime by linking your account and clicking subscribe. and welcome to our episode of First Help Now, where we're here to help answer your questions to improve your FRC team. I'm your host, Libby Kamen, and joining me is our co-host, Mike Heinlich. Uh, Mike, how's it going down in Australia? It's really cold here. I want to hear some good news. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're about at the start of a heat wave, Libby. We're going to hit about 100 degrees today, close to 40 for those of you on the centigrade scale, and we're supposed to have some Houston-like humidity. Oh, boy. Well, in First Help Now, we start out with a discussion of the week of the week during the week of something that all teams need to know about. Um, but before we do that, Mike, why don't you introduce our guest for today's show? Yeah, I'm really excited about our guest today. It's Jessa Westheimer from Team 118 Robonauts. Jessa was a 2016 Dean's List winner at the World Championship and has been the captain of her team. Um, thanks for lending your expertise today. Welcome to First Help Now, Jessa. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me. This is a really cool opportunity uh, just to kind of share some knowledge that we have on 118. Um, also joining with me is Claire. She's one of my teammates. She's super awesome. So we're really excited to be here. Hey, Claire. Hi. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you both, uh, Jessa and Claire. So before we get into some, some of the submitted questions, I want to open up the topic that has commonly been asked to First Help now, which is disseminating the manual. Uh, we saw that this year that First has consolidated the admin and the game manual into the game and season manual. How do teams, especially newer teams, manage all of the information in the manual, and what tips do you have to quickly find the information that you might need? Um, so every year it's always a lot of information, um, a lot of information within the game. It's always really complicated and it always takes a really long time to dissect that information. So what 118 does is we all sit down as a team and we go through rule by rule, just everything about the game. We make scoring charts. We, uh, work through all the possibilities for the game. Um, just so everyone has a really, really strong understanding of the game rules as soon as they come out. Um, that being said, updates happen during the season. Things are made clear. Uh, there's lots of clarifications that go on. So another thing 
at the very beginning is to establish that important universal info. Uh, make sure everyone understands scoring, make sure under everyone understands fouls. And then for the admin manual, since they attached it to the game manual this year, make sure everyone knows the deadlines, the deadlines for the Chairman's Award, the Woody Flowers Award, things like that. Just make sure all of that universal information is disseminated properly throughout your team that everyone's aware of the things that are going on. Um, Throughout the season, you're going to want to keep up with the Q&A. Um, a lot of really important things come up there. Um, also, the rules updates. Uh, that could affect your entire game if you're paying attention to those rule updates. Um, and then, specifically, when you have a question um, and you want to find the answer within the game manual or the game plus admin manual, I don't know what they're calling it now, um, just know your question. Uh, know what you want to ask, know what you want to find out, and really take notes on the manual itself and then control F like that's the biggest tip that I can give you that's the that's the tip that we use here on 118 is control F to find your answer because it's a lot of information packed in there um, so if you know what you're looking for you can control F and hopefully be able to find it pretty quickly yeah so I guess I think I think you pretty much hit it hit the nail on the head there there's only a couple things that I that I think I'd like to amplify first of all Starting with the rules and the, and the game flow and the scoring is absolutely essential before you even go after the robot. Um, the only thing that I would really add is, um, you know, when we were talking to rookies, we try to coach them on the things not to worry about. So we try to keep it as simple as possible for them. And for, I'll say about 90% of the rookies, one of the easiest ways to simplify things is to tell them, don't worry about pneumatics. There's a whole big section in there, but if you could just master motors your first year, you'll be on your way. Uh, so we try to keep it real simple for them. Uh, the only other area where I think teams, rookie teams fall down a lot, um, and this year especially, maybe we'll get to it in a question sometime today, is, is stims and making sure you get stims under your belt so you can get those student-based submissions in. Yeah, for um, sure. I do have... I do have something in response to that, actually. Um, there, uh, You made a really good point, uh, Mr. Heimlich, is that there is that entire control section within the manual. Um, so Claire and I are both actually on the control subsystem. So how we disseminate that particular information is we have a dedicated member of, the, of our control subsystem who is kind of like the expert at all of the controls, regulations, and all of the rules that they have because they're really particular. But you made a really good point in ensuring that not all the rookies have to be um, experts on all of these rules, but if you have a dedicated person who knows all of those rules and is aware of what's happening there, um, that's going to be really important and uh, a really valuable resource because not everyone needs to know that. Absolutely. I think that's that's a really great point is having, you know, the dedicated expert in, in whatever group, no matter how big your team is, there's totally room for that. Um, but with that, you know, main topic covered, it's time to take questions submitted by Fund Nation and to First Help Now. Uh, one thing we want you guys to keep in mind is that First Help Now is not the official Q&A. Make sure you do your research into making smart decisions for your team. If you're interested in calling in or submitting your questions, send an email to frchelpnow at gmail.com. Uh, we'll also answer questions from the live audience, so tag at First Updates Now with your question in the Twitch chat, and we will get to some at the end of the show. Yeah, now we're going to go to start with a call-in from Andrew Clark, who is a mentor on Team 5985, Project Bucephalus. They're in their second year out of Wollongong, New South Wales, Australia. 
Okay, I've actually uh, had the pleasure to work with Andrew for a couple and years. Um, this is a real great first progression story. Uh, Andrew um, and his family started an FLL team several years ago, and, and uh, the they Alliance. really loved first, and as the kids got a bit older, they decided to make the leap from FLL to FRC, and uh, last year they had a fantastic year. Uh, brought a really great robot, and I can't wait to see what they have uh, for this year at, at the Australian Regionals. That's, that's so great. I love stories of people coming through the program. So it's yeah. a comfy division. So to wonderful. Be in it's super comfy. So it seems like we can bring Andrew in now. Um, response so to, we can to teams you know, who get see some, that as a, a new questions in with him. Yeah, that's really a two prong question. Let's see if <laughs> it's okay. Good morning. Are we good? Good. We got Andrew. There we go. Welcome to First Help Now. What is your question? Um, okay, first question. What would be your advice if a sponsor, for whatever reason, um, is unable to fulfill like the cutting or machining tasks they arranged with the team? Um, do I take that one? Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, for us, uh, we kind of have a different perspective on that because we do a lot of our machining in-house, which I'll um, kind of come back to. But for that, step one is try and work it out with your sponsor. You don't really want to have lots of uh, negative energy there. Something could have been miscommunicated, stuff like that. That's pretty obvious. Um, but if it ends up being where you can't actually work it out with them and you can't actually get the parts that you need at the time that you need them, uh, the best advice we can give you is to just figure out another plan. Like a lot of the times that's part of the challenge is where you have to roll with the punches. Um, things are going to come up. Uh, sponsors are going to fall through. It's just part of the challenge. It's part of the beauty of FRC is you're going to have to kind of roll with the punches, kind of uh, figure out how you're going to solve all these problems that come up throughout the season. Um, but while you're working with your sponsors, just try and communicate as best as possible what you need and when you need it. Um, but a thing that we've done over the years is we've become more, more and more self-reliant. Um, try and plan to the resources and the capabilities that you have in-house and trying to expand those resources and those capabilities so that you can be as self-reliant as possible. Because relying on out-of-house um, sponsors to do your machining and all of your cutting, stuff like that, um, if you run into a problem with them, uh, that's obviously a problem. That's obviously, obviously going to affect how your robot comes together. So if you can put all of those responsibilities more on yourself. So you on your team, um, that's going to benefit you in the long run uh, for your team. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think the, the idea, especially with younger teams and with rookie teams, to really talk about the use of COTS as much as you can. It is so great that you might have a sponsor that would be willing to do kind of extra machining and extra cutting, but having a really simple, capable COTS backup plan in-house is going to be all the difference. We've been through that too as a team. We had, you know, like, oh, we'll make you your drivetrain. We'll machine it for you. And then it's like week five and the pieces aren't there. And it's just one of those things that got to have a backup in-house. I think that's going to be really important. And I hope that helps. Yeah, I guess I want to I want to jump on that backup plan thing, because one of the things that I, I tell our team and a lot of other teams is that a, a schedule is something you deviate from. Um, and so with that in mind, whenever you plan on something that has a risk like this associated with it, you want to have a built-in backup plan or be thinking about what that backup plan is soon after. Um, one angle that I, I wanted to suggest, um, uh, Andrew, is um, if you have a network of teams that you work with locally and around the world, 
Um, you know, once you pull back some of those parts in-house, you may find that there are teams around you or even halfway around the world who can do that one little piece for you that you really want your kids to have or the kids are really excited about having. And, you know, with FedEx, you might have to wait a week or something, but you'd still get that part. Um, this is something that makes first an FRC great, I think, is teams willing to jump on stuff like that. So that might be something you want to explore through the network of teams or, or help build up your network of teams that you can uh, rely on each other for. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Um, so we're going. Anything else we can help you with, Andrew? No, that pretty much covers it. We had the backup plan and we're investigating the network. So that's good right. to hear. It's good to hear it's not the only one. Well, good. Best of luck, Andrew. I hope you guys. <clears throat> I hope you guys do an awesome, uh, awesome job this season. How is your team doing this this build season for Steamworks? We're actually doing pretty well. Um, the kids are working hard. They're, they're actually getting enough sleep. The biggest problem we have in Australia is the temperature in summer. Workshops are not cool places. Oh, it's it's so interesting to hear that from someone who's literally in five degree weather outside right now. So, oh boy, well, best of luck to the team. I hope you guys stay cool and you finish the robot and it's going to be awesome. I can tell you guys really sound like you have it together. I hope. <laughs> No Thanks, Andrew. So let's continue with some questions that were submitted to First Help Now this week. Uh, we had a question this week from a team asking about why their number 25 chain keeps breaking. So, uh, Jessa, Claire, what troubleshooting methods do you rec guys recommend for teams that are having issues? Okay, um, so I don't actually work very heavily with the mechanical area of our team. Um, so I asked a couple of people and they gave me lots of really good advice and some tips uh, for when this is happening. So um, the number one reason why your number 25 chain is probably breaking is because you're putting too much stress on the chain. So before you put that chain on, you should probably run some numbers about how much force you're putting onto that chain. Um, the Robonauts, we use 25H chain, which is slightly stronger, and that's because the plates are just like a little bit thicker, and it's generally more reliable than the number 25 chain. Um, you have some options here. Um, whenever your number 25 chain keeps breaking, you can, one, go to a slightly stronger chain. Uh, that would be the 25H chain is what we use. Um, you can do two runs of chain, um, or you could switch to a larger chain. Um, some tips that we have for this is to completely avoid master links or offset links. Um, and then you want to do a chain run. And then what we do is we press the pins out and back in. Uh, we use what's called the dark soul chain breaker. That's a dark soul chain breaker um, to do that instead of having the master links or those offset links. Um, those can just ha have your team run into a lot of problems mechanically and cause a lot of that breakage that you're probably experiencing. Yeah, so that's all really good stuff. One of the things I just want to highlight on top of the 25H chain is that um, if you look at, at the difference between that, it is, it's a thicker and slightly heavier chain but there's actually no standard for the quality of the material that needs to be used. It's just typically a steel of, of unknown um, composition. So you may want to get a couple different samples of 25H chain and do some tests on it um, in one of your systems and overstress it as best you can. Once you identify a, a supplier of quality 25H chain, you should probably stick with that supplier um, because again, not every uh, 25H chain is going to be equal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a really good point. And I know even with the same supplier, sometimes you can run into issues where one batch is totally different from the next. So, you know, keeping an eye on, on supplier and, and how your chain comes in is always a good thing. Yep. 
And then one other thing that we try to make sure about is to make sure that our path for the chain is always clear, because if we have anything getting in the way of this chain, it can end up getting damaged and it can end up making the chain faulty and end up with us having a lot more issues with it. So we try to make sure we have a lot of maintenance to make sure nothing happens to the chain so it stays in the best condition it can. Hey, Claire, when you say maintenance, what, what do you mean? Could you go into some depth um, on that? I mean, just like checking when we're running chain, start out going slow and seeing if anything like rivet heads or any bolts are sticking anywhere near the chain. Okay, are there any tips for coming off around the field that you, you think might be good for people to know after a match or I mean, before a match? Uh, just start I've out going slow because, yeah. yeah, I mean, okay. going quickly can make the problems even more severe than they already are, so. Right. Yeah, very true. I was going to say, I'm always just one for kind of make sure you visually inspect them and, and all that kind of stuff, so. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, so, on that point, um, whenever you're, whenever you're kind of um, doing uh, robot maintenance, uh, we always do full subsystem checks in between our matches whenever we run them. So they'll go through everything. Um, so if a chain breaks on the field, then we replace it immediately. We check everything immediately after we come back from a match and right before we go to our next match. So just make sure you're checking at competitions especially. Um, that's going to be a really important thing. Um, have a checklist, have a subsystem checklist. You're checking every part of the robot, making sure it's all working and diagnosing all of those problems as soon as they happen. All right, that's great, great help there. Let's move on to our next question. It's about bag day. We've had a few teams ask first help now over the last week or so about not finishing their robot before bag day. What recommendations would you have for teams to properly and legally utilize their withholding allowance as they get ready for competition and pressed up against that uh, stop build day? Um, yeah, so that's a that's a good question. Um, our best advice uh, this is this is what we do on our team um, for the most part. Uh, we try and complete as many of the parts as we possibly can, but sometimes the deadline is coming up really fast and even if we can't put them together in their entirety or their final configuration uh, we just mount them on the robot so they're counted as part of the robot and not as part of our withholding allowance yeah no that's really really smart i think teams don't always recognize that even if it's not 100 percent ready putting it in the bag lets it count um yeah. and i think that's a huge difference for teams that maybe it's not all the way done and you just you, Put it in there and see what you can iterate moving forward even though you can't touch it you know what can you do with it knowing that the next time you'll get access to it and this is even more important if you're a district team because you do have six hours to work on it if it's a, if it's a regional team and like you have thursday but you have to wait until that thursday of that week right you have to like wait and hold your breath for two weeks um yeah. but for for district teams you will have some space in the middle there as well that you can work on whatever's in the bag and it still won't be your withholding allowance and that's a really careful you know point to have if something's not quite done but you're pretty happy with it that it can fit into that category you know sort of going back to your point earlier libby about cots parts i think a lot of teams make the mistake of bringing in um, fully assembled withholding not knowing that they could bring in the cots and they could bring in the uh the manufactured parts separately and do a quick assembly job um you know that's where that two weeks time let's say uh, after bag, but before the event comes in handy, you could practice doing that assembly in your pit area a couple times so you have it down to a science where you may just have to mount a motor 
And if it's a sim motor, you save yourself a few pounds in terms of withholding. You do a lot more that way. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really, really helpful. I think, you know, sometimes it's the same thing. Sometimes teams don't realize you can bring in as much as you can carry of COTS material and just make something great out of that at your event. Um, so we're going to move on to our next question, which uh, is on my list because it's near to my heart as a drive coach. Um, a lot of teams have texted in asking what process other teams take to train their drive team. Uh, so Jess, I'd like to ask you guys, what process does 118 go through to train drivers every year? Um, so I'll kind of just go through our entire process from driver selection to how we train our drivers for regionals and championship if we get there. Um, so for driver selection, um, basically we have everyone who's interested in being a driver write their name on a whiteboard and Every person has the opportunity to try out um, if they so choose. Um, so we set up challenges. Uh, so we set up what the game would be. Everyone has the opportunity to take their run through of the challenge. And then we evaluate their skills based on how well they did running through that challenge. And then just kind of their mindset, um, their, how they're going to be behind the glass. So uh, my mentor once told me that he never wants me behind the glass because I'm because I'm really emotional and kind of hyper. Um, so you want to have kind of a calm, centered driver, someone that's going to be able to keep their cool. Um, going into driver training, how we train them during the season, um, I think one of our mentors put it best, uh, drive and then drive and then drive some more. Um, it's really about practice. you got to get in as much practice as you possibly can, get them as much time on the sticks as they possibly can afford um the way we were really tasked uh, over the cheval the freeze over and over and over and over again and then we practice what that would be like that specific task would be like going into a match so we run a two-minute simulation match after that task has been mastered just to kind of see that different dynamic and how it would fit into a competitive bat. Another important thing for when you're training your drivers is to train full matches. Um, we, on the Robonauts, we run the scenario. We run what it's going to be like during the match, uh, and we call that training like you fly. So you want to train like you fly as much as possible. I guess the only thing that I'd, I'd add there is um, one of the things that a lot of teams overlook is your drive team or team ambassadors as well. And um, yeah. as you get through a competition and you're starting to think about alliances during the elimination rounds, you want people who can communicate and sort of live your team, your team philosophy and your team culture. So um, sometimes you have to make a hard decision between quality behind the sticks and being that good team ambassador. Hopefully that's not too much of a hard decision. But I think there's a factor there as well to build strong alliances during the elimination rounds. Definitely. I think um, something that, that was actually going to tie into that, too, is on our team, um, the one thing that, I mean, our, our, our systems seem very similar, Jessa, between our teams, but the one thing that we have that I didn't see uh, in your response is before we even let them touch the sticks, we have an exam. And it's the rules, and it's the team history, and it's all of the information about the Midnight Inventors and First, and it ties into what you're saying, Mike, about being a team ambassador. And on our team, you got to get a certain mark on the exam to move into the practical training because if you can't speak to the team and you can't understand the rules, yes, the coach's job is to manage you through the match, but if you can't, you know, process the rules in your own head before, you know, the instruction comes, uh, it's something that's important to us. And so that might be something teams want to consider, not necessarily like, oh, uh, we also have 125 students. So that's like a little bit ridiculous and we have to yeah, narrow yeah, it down. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a very different situation, but um, with, 
whether before or after selected, making sure that the drivers understand the rules, the rule updates, and the team background and are able to really be that ambassador is, uh, is pretty important to gear up for competition. Yeah, so speaking of gearing up for competition, let's wrap up the discussion with some very commonly asked questions over the last couple of weeks. Uh, what do your teams bring outside the ordinary in terms of supplies to the competition that you think give your gives your team an advantage? Um, so that's a, that's a good question. Um, for our team, we uh, obviously we bring spare parts. Um, so last year we had like a spare hanger and a spare intake that we were ready to mount on from our practice robot, um, which is always valuable to have if you do have those resources because um, it it'll make fixing a break a lot faster and a lot more efficient um, whenever you're in that in that crunch time in the middle in, in the middle of your matches. Um, Another thing is, depending on the, what game it is, um, we'll sometimes bring field elements. Like last year, we had the tower. Um, so we had a, a, uh, a tower that we set up in our pit so we could practice hanging on, on it. We could practice shooting. Um, and then and we practice with our alliances. If, it, if our alliance partner tells us they can hang, we have a tower. You want to show us that you can hang? Um, so it's a lot, lot easier going in. Um, so we can practice with our alliance partners. We can um, do those subsystem checks that I mentioned earlier. Um, it's a good good way if if possible i don't i don't know if we were planning on doing anything similar to that this year but depending on the game maybe in the future um it'll be beneficial to have some of those field elements with you um but in addition to that um we also occasionally will bring cheesecake uh and for people who aren't aware of what cheesecake is it's just starters um so it could be like a ramp or something or can direct the gear into a robot for a robot that doesn't have that capability. Um, it depends year for year to year. Um, like 2015, it might have been cheesecake can grabbers, something like that. Um, so we also bring that or materials to build cheesecake at the competition. Um, but other than that, we don't really bring anything interesting or special. Um, we just bring what we need to quickly repair the robot. And I think you don't need to focus so much on bringing outside of the ordinary to a competition you need to bring what you need in order to be as competitive as possible and that's not always going to be something super out of the box um but at competitions we don't really invent anything um we don't really try and make any usually we we don't try and make up any new technologies but if you try and focus on refining what you have and making and taking taking the work that you have at the competition from a maintenance standpoint Yeah, that can uh, definitely leave you a lot better off as to work from maintenance standpoint at the event. Um, and I just to add to that, I mean, we already talked about it just a little bit, but we talked about cots and, you know, bringing all that stuff. And that's a really easy way um, to help cheesecake people. But the other thing that really bumpers. Oh, up. Yep, we're good. It's okay. Sorry, we got it. Um, so the what was uh, one of the Q&As that I was checking through is they asked about the legality of cheesecaking with something in your bag. So if you have spares that you don't want to yeah. bring in on your spare allowance, put them in your bag, get yeah. them to your partners. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. I guess the, one of the yeah. things that people often forget to bring to the competition is, is some of those checklists that we talked about before, specifically with regard to maintenance coming off and on the field. I don't want to say that's, that's a competitive advantage, but it certainly helps you get the robot back out quickly. And uh, it helps you eliminate any problems that start to creep up in the course of, those machines taken a beating. Absolutely, yeah, a, a nice little checklist. We usually post ours on the inside of our pit. Um, so on your way out, you have to walk by it. So 
<laughs> we're going to take just a few minutes at the end here to address some questions from our live viewers. And our first question comes from RGCII, I guess. I don't know how to say that. Um, in auto, it says 60 points for each rotor moving. If all three robots put three gears on the airship and move two rotors, would that team gain 120 points? And from my understanding of that question, yes. As long as you're not touching the reserve gear, you're all, every single one of you is placing, you're up. That's 120 points. Yep, and it goes to the alliance, not the team. So just a clarification. Yeah, with the, with the alliance. Yeah, I think that's yeah. always, if you, the, the distinction between alliance gaining points and team gaining points is so strange. And that's why looking at that ranking system is, is huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we I'm may have lost. Oh, you're here. It's just, I think we just lost the video Can you hear for me? you. Okay. Okay. So our second question is, where can we get a Dark Soul Breaker? They seem to be out of stock. Um, I just texted my mentor to ask um, if we could come back to me. I'm looking right now, and I can't really... <laughs> Hold on. That's okay. I, you know what? I think we can... What I think we can do is we will try to find it, and we'll put it either in somewhere for the show, somewhere online in a chief thread or something okay. like that. We will... Dark Soul Chain Dark Breaker. Dark Soul yeah. Breaker. Yeah. We'll have to put it in the uh, in the list and let me check chat really quickly for any additional questions. Oh, you have it up. You're just Tyler's too good. Yeah. Um, so props to Tyler for uh, props to Tyler for running the show today. Um, <laughs> so I don't see any additional questions in chat. So with that, that's going to be it for today's show. Uh, so Jessa and Claire from 118, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Um, I want to ask how the progress of your robot is coming, but also where can more people find out about 118? If you're with us. Um, so, oh, you're okay, good. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep, you're good. Okay, cool. Um, so we spent a lot of time prototyping this year, which pushed our CAD back. So as far as checking out the progress of our robot, uh, I'd say wait for our reveal or <laughs> keep keep uh keep on the lookout had for that to keep us um, all in if we do have one this year yeah um it's one of our favorite things um so I mean, if you want to find more about one morning of my tea. favorite things too <laughs> yeah. oh <laughs> thank you um we, <laughs> we try to make them uh as as exciting as possible um so if you want to find out more about 118 um you can check out our website, ccisdrobonauts.org, and then Claire has something to add about that. We have a program that a lot of our students like to help with called EveryBot. It's a robot that we try to make less expensive so that anyone, no matter where they live or what kind of materials they have, can make it based on what's in the kit. And so we try to make it do as much as we can with the materials that we have. And so any rookie teams or teams that just may not have the same materials as maybe another team can go check out our EveryBot page, which is, it, there's a link to it on our website. Um, and it's got instructions on how to wire your robot, how to build the AndyMark base and how to make all the basic things to get points in this game this year? Yeah, so um, 
so what's really cool about the EveryBot initiative, which uh, as Claire mentioned, you can find on our website, ccisdrobonauts.org. What's that? Okay, awesome. Um, so if you click on the EveryBot tab at the top, that'll show our build blog. So basically uh, we will build a robot using only the kit of parts and a budget of $1,000. And all of the materials that we buy with that $1,000 are easily obtainable materials, stuff that you can find at your local hardware store. So this, is, this initiative is really targeted for lesser established teams so that everyone can be as competitive as possible, just so we can share um, some options that we have. Um, some prototypes that we made uh, and in the end it's going to be a complete robot so if you want to copy it bolt for bolt just so you can learn stuff that's perfectly fine it's just a resource for other teams that we have had the opportunity to provide and we're really excited about it it's been going on for four years the program has been growing every year so we really encourage you all to check it out if you're so interested and we have our email on there so feel free to email the everybot email which is in the contact us part of our page with any sort of questions or just comments about what we've done on there. Yeah. Absolutely, I, I totally love that project. Um, I would love to see, so when you're talking about, oh, wait for the reveal, I'd love to see 118 on premiere night. <laughs> but also I would, I'm very excited. I'll have to check out EveryBot. I love that idea. And I love that you're bringing that kind of ingenuity to teams all over the place. Um, so we have one more question that flew into chat at the last minute. And it is from Little Miss Lish, is what I think I'm reading. <laughs> and it is, what makes a good chairman's presentation? Um, and I'll go first, I'll let you guys chime in. But um, I think the biggest thing is really being, having an understanding of your material and being able to sell it with your own personality. And whatever, there's a million resources out there on, on how to, you know, build a chairman's presentation, but you know, really being yourselves and being your team at the most authentic self that your team can be is really, really helpful. So I don't know, Mike, uh, Jessa, Claire, do you guys have anything on that? But no, I totally, <laughs> we got one yeah. last question. I, th I think too many teams, I think too many teams go and look at what other teams do for presentations or videos and try to do the same thing. And I think that's not what, that's not what makes a great chairman's presentation. It's not what makes a great chairman's package. Um, that you're bringing to the competition. I think you need to make your own style. You need to have your own thing. Um, and, and you need to make sure that that uh, you're being you and nobody else. There's lots of things that you need to incorporate into chairman's to be sure, but it has to all be you and and what and represent your culture and your process, who you are as a team and where you're going. Yeah, um, so I've actually been on the chairman's presentation team for my team for the past couple of years. Um, so I do have a little bit of experience in this. Um, and for our team, uh, we always strive, uh, like Libby and Mike pointed out, is the really important part about your chairman's team is letting your voice be heard as your team. It's really all it is, is telling your story, telling all of the outreach that you've done and just kind of bragging about yourself because you've done all this amazing outreach and you've helped your community and that's what the chairman's award celebrates so it's really about telling your story um try and ensure that the presenters that you have <laughs> try <laughs> sorry uh, try and make sure that the presenters that you have are passionate about it that they know your team that they know your team history maybe even do an exam like libby's team does for testing their drivers um, just to ensure that people are aware of that knowledge and they have that experience um, i know on our team for chairman's presenter selection. Uh, we go through a semi-rigorous process in um, just going after Q&A, making sure, drilling everyone on Q&A. And basically the best people who are um, 
best at answering questions that we think the judges would answer, uh, would ask, uh, those are the people that we send into the room. Yeah, no, that's great. That's absolutely awesome advice. I think, you know, there's, and we can certainly, honestly, we could have a whole first help now about chairmen. We should do that. Um, <laughs> we could. Yeah, but uh, Mike, as well, I would like to just say great job co-hosting with me. I'm finally that I got to be on here this week with you. Uh, so great. what do you guys have going on in First Australia? Yeah, well, um, it's going to be really hot this weekend across Australia. So I want everybody to stay safe and stay cool, stay hydrated. A lot of our workshops around the country aren't uh, aren't air conditioned, as, as Andrew Clark, oh. our guest earlier, pointed out. I also want to make sure that people get their final uh, parts list together. They may have to order from Vex or from Andy Mark or anybody else and make sure they get those out um, in the next few days because of the week plus shipping times that we have over here. Um, and don't forget our uh, Sunday afternoon mentor calls at three o'clock um, that's uh, supported by our sponsor, Arnet. If you have any last minute questions, please, please jump on that video call and we'll do the best we can to help you out. Wonderful. It seems like there's a lot going on in First Australia and it's really exciting to just even hear about it on the periphery. <laughs> Um, so as we close up, guys, don't forget that you can follow First Help Now and all of Fun's shows under First Updates Now. Uh, Fun just received Twitch partnership, and we're going to have some awesome benefits for subscribers coming down the line. I know I subscribe. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, don't forget you can subscri subscribe to Fun for free every month to get the latest on First Robotics. We also have new t-shirts available on the website, thanks to two pencil designs at firstupdatesnow.com. A big thank you to our producer, Tyler Olds, behind the scenes, doing a great job presenting the show, despite all of my technical difficulties. And if you guys would like to leave First Updates Now feedback, you can email feedback at firstupdatesnow.com. We will be back with First Help Now next week, Thursday at 8.30 Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. I have to say p.m. because there are Australians here. <laughs> Stop back next week on Monday for fun recap, where we'll check in with Teams Progress and give you the latest headlines in FRC. On behalf of myself, Mike, and Tyler, I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you to Jessa and Claire for being our guests. And thank you to all of our moderators in chat. And we will see you next time on First Updates Now. See you then. This has been a First Updates Now production. Visit us at firstupdatesnow.com or find us under First Updates Now on Facebook or Twitter.